Great. Kids, you may have noticed there is no dynamite and no youth today. Um, instead, we have a service for everybody. And the Bible Society have very helpfully put together a fantastic video that is a bit of a summary of what we have read and what we're about to read. Dave, you're looking very excited over there. Have you seen it already? No. Okay. It is very good. Um, so without further ado, the super cool story of Jesus coming up now. Jesus did and Jesus loved to show us how his father loves. When Jesus was all grown up, he really did a lot of stuff on top of high hills and in boats out at sea, sat down by tables for supper or tea. But he also loved lots on a kind of tree. It's 100% true and a super cool story. Jesus said and Jesus loved to show us how his father loves. On a great big hill, Jesus told a story about two builders. Let's call them Billy and Bernie. Billy, being silly, built his house on the sand. But Bernie, the brains, built on rock on the land. After the storm, Billy was grumpy because his house was in pieces, all broken and lumpy. But when you listen and do what I say, you're like Bernie the builder who built the right way. Jesus did and Jesus loved to show us how his father loves. Jesus was by a lake with friends and people came to follow. It got late and bellies grumbled because they had no food to swallow. So Jesus did a miracle. 5,000 mouths were fed. He did it with two smelly fish and just five loaves of bread. In a boat, out at sea, his mates had a big surprise. They saw Jesus walk in there. They couldn't believe their eyes. He wasn't in a boat and he wasn't wearing skis. He was walking on the water and doing it with ease. Jesus served and Jesus loved to show us how his father loves. Jesus was at a table with friends like John and Pete. He made some soapy water and scrubbed their grubby feet. You can't wash my feet, says Pete. No way, not happening, never. But Jesus did the messy jobs, though he's the most important ever. Jesus ate and Jesus loved to show us how his father loves. Jesus was having supper. He broke the bread in two. It's a picture of my body and it's broken now for you. He also filled a cup with wine. Remember when I'm gone that I bled because I loved you and paid for all your wrong. Jesus prayed and Jesus loved to show us how his father loves. Jesus was in the garden. He knew his time had come. I wish there was another way, but let my father's will be done. Jesus died and Jesus loved to show us how his father loves. Some didn't like Jesus. He said he was God's son. They thought he was telling fibs and telling them for fun. And though he was God's son, they nailed him to a tree. In between two robbers, he died for you and me. He said it is finished. And then he closed his eyes. And in case he was pretending, they even stabbed his side. Jesus 
rose and Jesus loved, to show us how his father loves. A woman was at a graveyard. A man asked her what was wrong. The lady sobbed and sniffled. Jesus' body's gone. She thought he was a gardener, but there was no spade in view. But Jesus called her Mary. Then teacher, she cries, it's you. So now Jesus is alive. There's lots he wants to give. But most of all, it's life and love. So we can really live. Isn't that brilliant? Steve was just reflecting how much better the scripture sounds read with a Welsh accent. (laughs) Well, we want to hear the end of the story in scripture as well. So Jenna and Sanjay, would you mind coming up? And we're going to hear how that last bit we've just heard about finishes in the book of John. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told him that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, 
was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, And that by believing, you may have life in his name. What a wonderful day. What a wonderful day. Uh, It's Easter day. And uh, what a wonderful thing to be remembering again Jesus' death and his resurrection. We've just heard the reading from John's Gospel, two whole chapters of John's Gospel we've listened to this morning. And at the end of chapter 20, uh, Sanjay read for us where the Apostle John explains why he went to the effort of writing this story. And he says, this story is written so that you may believe. This story is written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The story is written that we may believe, and that by believing, we may have life in his name. The end of this process, the benefit of our remembering on Easter Day, is not just to sort of remind us of what to believe, to remind us what the story is, but that the life that Jesus showed when he was risen from the dead, we might also receive today. That risen life, that resurrection life, can be our life too. That's why Easter Day is so exciting. At Easter, we remember that death has been swallowed up in victory. As the Apostle Paul wrote, it means that death is not the end. Death is not the end. And that means that since death is the worst thing that can ever happen in life, it means that every bad thing can be made good. Every bad thing can be made good. I've got a picture here. I don't know if any of you know what this is. Lois does, because this picture is also on one of our kitchen cupboards. So I'm not going to ask you. All the people you just told. (laughs) Oh, you did it at school. Okay, fine. Let's. All right, I'm sorry for being cynical. All right, what's this called? Something that's complicated. I don't know. So none of you knew after all. Deary me. Nearly, nearly. Kintsugi. Kintsugi. I think my Japanese isn't that good. Is that I'm looking to Andrew because he's been to Japan and he probably knows. Is it? Close enough. Very good. 
Um, This is a bowl that has been broken. It was made a certain way and was broken. But then it was taken by an artist and the broken pieces were put back together with something more beautiful. And the end result is more special than the unbroken bowl was to begin with. And it's a wonderful picture for us of how God works in people's lives. I don't know whether you noticed in that story, but after Jesus had risen from the dead, he still had the wounds of his crucifixion. He still had scars. He still had a hole in his side, even though he'd overcome death and been resurrected. You know, Jesus is the most beautiful of anything that you could ever find in, uh, on earth or above the earth or under the earth. Jesus is the most amazing person. And there he is now in heaven. And he is not just pristine. He's not returned to the way that he was before he ever came to earth. He's even better. He's glorified because he was broken and is now raised from the dead. And in heaven, he continues to have his scars. It says in the book of Revelation that the one seated on the throne of heaven is like a, a, a slain-looking lamb. It's more beautiful for the process that he went through. That Jesus died and rose from the death reminds us that every bad thing can be made good. And that means that we have hope. Easter means hope. And I want to ask the children here, um, and there may be some adults as well, I I don't know, but I'd like to ask you, um, what bad things are there that need to be made good? What bad things are there that need to be made good? Have a little moment to think about that. And then I'm going to come and ask you what you think. What are the bad things that need... I'm going to start with the bunch down here. What do you think? Anything? Pollution. Pollution. I had not thought of that. War. War. I had thought of that. Global warming. Global warming. It's very environmentally aware bunch down here. Oh, yeah, great. Eczema. Eczema. Yeah, too right. Anyone else here? All, all right, okay. Or anyone else want to say anything? Over, I'm going to keep wandering around until I get quite a few more. Anything? Oh, here we go. Injustice. Injustice. All right, we're on to adults as well now. Oh, where, where? Oh, you do. Fighting with people. Fighting with people. Okay, bad things. Bad things can be made. Good. Excellent. What else? What else is there that needs to be made good? Oh, and I'm going back over here because. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Wow. Yes. Who else? Illness. Illness. Loneliness. Okay. Cancer. Cancer. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go back to that little hand over there in a minute. Anyone here? Anything bad that you know needs to be made good? 
Poverty. Poverty. Okay. Pain. Pain. Okay. Uh, oh, there's a hand. Sin. Sin. Okay. Do you know what? Bad things can be made. Relationship breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. Arguing. Bullying. Okay. Arguing and bullying. Conflict. Conflict. That's a good word to describe something bad. Well, look, there's a whole load of stuff. I could keep going, couldn't I? I could keep going, but it is Easter morning. (laughs) So we're just taking time to remind ourselves that, you know, this Easter story, it's not just sort of somehow spoken to cheer us up or something, but these things about which we've spoken are in the world. And Easter reminds us that since Christ has conquered death, every bad thing can be made good. And the way that we join in with this story, the way that we can be part of every bad thing being made good is through prayer. Prayer. And there are different kinds of praying. You know, some of the things that were mentioned there, not so many of them, But some of the things that were mentioned there were actually bad things that are in us. Unforgiveness is something that's in us. Sin is something that's in us. So when we think of all the bad things, that they're not all just out there somewhere. Some of them are in us. And what we do about that in the light of the Easter story is we pray. Every bad thing can be made good. For what's bad in us, we say, sorry, sorry. It's really straightforward. And the truth of the Easter story, because of Jesus' death on the cross, we've heard it in several different ways this morning. He paid a price that we might be set free. He gave up his life in our place, taking the judgment that would be ours so that we might be forgiven. For what's bad in us, because of what Jesus did at the cross, when we say sorry, there's no question about whether we'll be forgiven. There's no question about whether we can be made clean inside. You know, one of the things that people say when they become a Christian, people say really often, I can't believe how clean I now feel inside. I didn't know that I could feel that way. I didn't know that that kind of purity could be there inside me. And the truth is that for whatever's bad in us, when we say sorry to God, he changes us. For the things that are bad around us, we say please. And we had a whole list of things there. Injustice, relationship breakdown, illnesses of various kinds, concern for the world and global warming. Do you know what? We can pray for all of those things. I don't know whether when you put your rubbish in the recycling, you sometimes also pray, God, would you fix this? Global warming, I mean. Like, he's well able, isn't he? I wonder how confident you are that God has the whole world 
in his hands, I wonder whether there are some things that seem too big to pray for when there's nothing that's too big to pray for. Every bad thing can be made good. And we can come to God in prayer and say, please, God, would you please deal with this and take it to him? We can always pray. There is nothing about which we cannot pray. And so Easter reminds us to say sorry. And Easter reminds us to say please. And Easter reminds us to say thank you. Thank you to Jesus that he made all of this possible by giving himself, by showing his love, not cherishing his own life so much, but being willing to give it up for us. What an amazing story. And I wonder whether it will flow in to not just this little time that we have together, but wouldn't it be amazing if we prayed in the light of Easter today and the next day and the next day, if our habit was to say sorry quickly, knowing that God will change us from the inside out. And if every challenge that we came across led us to say, please, God, do you come and change this thing and to live a life of thankfulness? And we are going to be doing a little bit of praying in just a minute, but Al is going to lead us in that. Brilliant. Thank you, Steve. I just want to anchor what Steve has said in something concrete um, by uh, asking for a testimony. Lynn, would you mind coming up? Thank you. Clearly you would mind, but you'll be all right. Don't worry. <laughs> um, because we've been encouraged to pray in the light of Easter. Come on. And uh, just this morning, um, Kefas <laughs> told me that Lynn had a testimony in the way that husbands helpfully do sometimes. Um, and so would it be okay if I just ask you a couple of questions and that we could all be encouraged in prayer afterwards? So this, this morning you were telling me that um, since you were very, very young, you've suffered from a particular illness. Could you just tell us a little bit? Um, yes, uh, allergies, all sort of allergies. So I was allergic to anything and everything. <laughs> wow. Okay. So did that affect how you lived and what life was like on a daily basis? Yeah, I had to... Be careful with what I do, and um, mostly I will uh, take antihistamines. And um, but then I remember I went to the to the doctor when I was back home. Um, my young sisters they they had um, two cats which they loved, and because I was allergic to anything and everything, and uh, the doctor recommended that we get rid of the cats. And, um, yeah, but it, it, and I remember I was allergic even to the light. Uh, even in the house, I will have to have um, sunglasses on. Um, and then I will read. If I'm studying, I will read with my sunglasses on. My eyes, my nose, my throat, my ears, everything will be itching. And it will be so very painful. And sometimes I will just break down and cry. <laughs> it doesn't sound much fun. Um, so uh, you used to be managing it with medication, but you were saying that you've been praying with Ruth and Bev. Yeah. Uh, would you just say a little bit about 
what happened as a result of that? Yeah, I've um, shared with uh, Ruth and Bev, and they took their time to pray with me, and we continue believing God for healing. And um, was it on Thursday? I was at the swimming, taking the children swimming, and Ruth was there with the kids. And she goes and say, Lynn, how are you doing? And I say, I'm fine. And she's like, oh, how about she, <laughs> the hay fever? I say, oh, my God. <laughs> I'd completely forgotten. I hadn't had it for, for a very long time. Can't remember even when it stopped. <laughs> Probably soon as we prayed. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. It's just a real encouragement that this, this message of Jesus changing lives when we pray, it, it's real, it's today. Um, and uh, Steve Bigu just came up to me while we were worshipping and said, actually, he felt like God wanted to heal people today. Um, you know, that's, that's the message we've just been hearing. That's a testimony from Lynn of God healing people. Let's, let's be in faith for that. What we're going to do now is... Um, if you want to just to start playing and in a minute we're going to do some singing but before we do that we're going to do some praying and uh, I'd just like to encourage us in a, in a couple of minutes just to come and all pray together around the cross